Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So a few years ago, my now ex-wife filed a false restraining order against me. She was living with her boyfriend as we were getting a divorce and had decided that a false restraining order was an excellent way to be awarded full possession of the car that I had purchased. Now, we only had one key to the car, and she was in possession of both the key and the vehicle. This is important for later. Now, I was exceedingly upset that she had knowingly filed a false restraining order, and upon being served, I immediately submitted my appeal and request for a hearing. I contacted my company, had them print off all my Department of Transportation GPS logs, as well as company internal vehicle tracker data. I also printed out my personal GPS tracking data from the navigation system I was using. So not only did I have accredited logs showing exactly where I was, or more importantly where I was not, I also had two very detailed systems information showing my exact speed, cardinal direction, and other information recorded in 2 minute and 30 second intervals. After I compiled my entire body of evidence, I wrote a 3 page testimony to read in court to assist in explaining the entirety of the data, as well as present my side of the appeal. Almost 30 days passes, and I realize that upon adjournment of the case, there's a chance that I'll be able to reach my vehicle before my ex does. Now with this in mind, I decided to contact the dealership, from which I purchased the vehicle, and acquired a second key. Now, as we only received one key when we purchased the vehicle, I knew she wouldn't expect me to be able to drive away with it. So fast forward a few days to the court date. I had driven across two states to attend this court judgment appeal with all my paperwork, written testimony, and the key to the vehicle. I arrive approximately 4 hours prior to the hearing time and patiently wait for the magic moment to come. And I got bad news, it was extremely anticlimactic. She was a no-show, the judge ruled in my favor, and the restraining order was dismissed. So the judge then asked if I had anything further for the court, and if not, I was free to go. So I very politely asked, Your Honor, is it my understanding that the restraining order is lifted? The judge replies yes. I then asked, So am I at this time able to retrieve my vehicle? The judge then tells me, as the judge of the courtroom, I'm unable to provide you with any form of legal advice. Now, I was about to apologize when the judge then said, However, if you find a seat in the back of my courtroom, I will get someone to provide you with a signed order of dismissal for the restraining order. If you were to be questioned by law enforcement for any reason regarding property or contact, it's best to have this documentation on your person, as the cancellation of the order might not reach the police system until close of business today. Now, the way in which the judge had worded her response was very clear, in intent. She could not specifically tell me that I was good to retrieve my vehicle, but she was taking the extra time to provide me with all the paperwork that gave me the legal opportunity to retrieve my vehicle. So I sat down, and after nearly 10 minutes, the court official that was designated with the task of typing and printing the paperwork got the judge's signature on it and brought it to me. As I turned to leave the courtroom, the judge calls out to me, OP. Uh, yes, your honor? Good luck. So at this point, I had to formulate a plan. See, as the ex-wife had not been present for the court proceedings, neither was my vehicle. Now, I had the address for her boyfriend's parents' house, as it was all over the initial restraining orders list of protected properties. I decided to utilize Uber to go to the address and check if the vehicle was present at the address. 
So upon starting the trip, I requested that the Uber driver wait for me at the address after dropping me off, giving her a quick summary of my circumstances and plan to ensure that I had a witness present for the intended retrieval of my vehicle. Quite simply, to ensure that no false allegations of fictitious activities during the recovery of said vehicle would have a leg to stand upon in court. Now, the lady Uber driver was sympathetic to my cause and agreed, even going as far as to give me her personal contact information in the event that I required her for future court appearances. Now, upon the arrival at the address, the vehicle was indeed present. The lady waits until I acquired the vehicle, left the premises, and then she followed me for about two miles to witness that I had left the property completely, and then she went on her way. Bless that lady, she was a saint. So I make it about half an hour away, and my phone rings. I answer it, and it was my ex-wife's boyfriend. And as you can imagine, he was not happy. He starts to swear at me, making random insulting comments, which I entirely brushed off. And then he makes a very large, unintelligent mistake. He said, If I ever see you again here, or anywhere, I will blow your head off. Count yourself dead. Now, I'm a veteran, and I don't take very kindly on threats to my life. I was upset at him, I was upset at her, and I was just handed a gift-wrapped means of complete and utter destructive revenge. I immediately hang up with him and dialed 911 to report a verbal threat on my life. I go to the parking lot of the local big box store to meet the responding officer, and ensured that I didn't leave until I had a case number, attached written statement, and the reporting officer's identification information. I completed my trip to my home state, and the following Monday, as this all happened on Friday, I went to my local courthouse and filed for an emergency restraining order. The judge that was available to hear my case was, interestingly enough, the same judge handling the divorce. She listened to the case I provided, reviewed the police information I provided, and then she issued the requested restraining order. Now, this doesn't sound like pro-revenge, does it? Well, my ex-wife was living with a guy in his parents' basement. The restraining order issued by the judge protected myself, my property, and my spouse from him. See, we were still legally married, so I was legally able to list her as my protected party. When the restraining order was served, he could not be within 600 feet of my ex-wife. And as she lived with him in his parents' basement, he wasn't the one who had to leave. She was. But she no longer had my vehicle, so she lost her brand new job. She also wasn't able to get to school, as her commute was quite long by public transit, so she failed her college course, but was stuck with the student loans for it anyway. So she was now homeless, vehicleless, jobless, kicked out of her college for non-attendance, penniless, as she was atrociously bad with finances, and to top it all off, she was nearly four months pregnant with his kid. So the moral of the story, don't piss off a veteran. I don't like to play games. I will go out of my way to avoid playing games. I will bend over backwards to make sure that I don't have to play games. But if you force my hand into playing aforementioned games, I will not be the one that loses the game which is something I told her verbatim on our third or fourth date, but I guess she forgot. Guys, what an absolute savage revenge. Listen, the restraining order on the wife's boyfriend that led to her downfall was absolutely brilliant. Play dumb games, win dumb prizes, guys. OP does come into the comment section to give details about what happened after, and it's some juicy, juicy stuff, guys, so listen up. Now, my wife did not show up to the next two divorce court dates as she had no vehicle and was maybe two or three states away at the time. It went into judge mediation, which she did show for, and she was very nasty. That's a whole story in and of itself, though. So the ex refused to do any mediation, and eventually the judge became the mediator. So on our final court date, the judge asked us what we both want, and talked to us about our request on the floor, and then went to chambers to make her decision. 
So I came to court with my entire credit history printed, with every debt I wanted split highlighted, as well as a few pages that I had written so I could explain to the judge why I felt it was appropriate to split these specific debts. I also had paperwork I wanted the judge to sign, which would have my ex removed from any financial claim in the vehicle. As I was the one who filed for the divorce, I spoke first, and I got nearly everything I asked for. When it was my ex's turn, it went very close to the following. Ex says, I want $5,000 for any property of mine that might have been damaged, stolen, or sold throughout the course of the relationship. The judge then says, okay, please provide the receipts to the bailiff for me to review in the chambers. The ex said, I don't have any receipts. The judge then says, if you have no receipts, I have no ability to order a reimbursement. What else are you asking for? X then goes, I would like for OP to pay my student loans, since it was OP's fault that I had to quit college. The judge then said, you were in college less than six months. You started college after leaving your spouse, and it wouldn't do the community, the courts, nor your spouse any benefit for me to do that. What else are you asking for? My ex then goes on and says, well, I want the restraining order to be lifted. I haven't been able to see my boyfriend in a few months because of it. The judge says, this is a divorce settlement hearing, not a restraining order appeal hearing. I cannot make any ruling in regards to that order in the court at this time. When I do come back from chambers, the divorce will be finalized. You will no longer be the spouse, and the order will no longer be applicable anyway. What else are you asking for? I would like alimony to the fullest amount allowed. My spouse has completely ruined my financial situation, and has a full-time job, so was responsible for getting me back on my feet. The judge then said, You mentioned you have or you had a boyfriend. My ex then said, Yes, your honor, I have a boyfriend. This restraining order made it so I couldn't live with him anymore. The judge then said, so you were romantically cohabiting with your boyfriend prior to the order being served? So my ex then replied, yes, and that was a huge mistake. The judge then says, under the laws of the state redacted, since you have admitted to the court that you romantically cohabited extramaritally, you are not eligible for any alimony, and this court cannot order your ex to provide you any financial assistance. So in conclusion, I got everything I asked for, and the ex was making stupid demands, and she was entirely shut down by the judge. I had to give the ex three boxes of her property, and nothing else. Almost three years of marriage, and all she walked away from it were with two boxes of random things, and one box that had her grandmother's dinnerware, and several thousand dollars of debt. My friends, OP coming into the comments and providing us with the details of the court hearing is the cherry on top of this beautiful revenge. I wish I could have been there to see the ex-wife's face as the judge denied her request for alimony. Oh my goodness. She literally got nothing. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Now, to start, this is about the company I worked for and a trip I took because I had to wire a building for a computer network because the building owner wouldn't. Our company was moving a remote site to a new building. And as the IT guy for the company, I was asked to look at the new building and set up some network ports. Now, the landlord refused to put in any low voltage lines and we got quotes, but they were thousands of dollars. Enter me, my car, and four boxes of Cat6 cable. Now, it's about an 8-hour drive, and I was doing about 30 drops. Not a ton, but still a few days worth of work in some place that's already built up. And it's a drop ceiling with insulation on top. Messy and itchy work. So the story. Day 1. We get there Monday morning at the start of the month. Now, it's actually a cool summer morning, and we're from the south, so nobody notices the AC not working for about an hour. Slowly, the building begins heating up. It gets to 80 degrees by noon, 85 degrees by 3 p.m. The rooms with floor-to-ceiling windows are greenhouses. It's an absolutely miserable time. We've been told by the workers still on site that the leasing company was told that there was no AC in the building three weeks ago. The other thing is, there are still workers on site. The building isn't completed. So much for being ready for a handover on day one. Day two. We're getting agitated. It's about 80 degrees in the AM when we first walk in, and it's sweltering. The other guy that came in with me is the facilities manager. He's screaming at people over the phone to fix the AC. We're all exhausted from the heat by 3 p.m. I found a four-foot hole in the duct when I was opening the ceiling tile. The AC was blowing, but there was no cold air. We are told the compressor is broken. Day 3. More of the same. It's a miserable morning. I'm finally getting the last lines punched in on the patch panel. The AC guys arrive at about 10 a.m. They finally fix the unit at 2 p.m. We ask them what they did. They said a lot of things. We again said, what did you do? And the reply was, we can't tell the tenants. Now, that was a red flag alert. We contacted our realtor and she said she'd look into what was done. Now, she sent me an email later that night that says that they changed the refrigerant from R22 to R410A. I then tell the facilities guy, no way dude, that's like putting gas in a diesel motor. They would have to change out the entire system. They didn't do that in 4 hours. They basically duct taped and WD-40'd that thing back together, and it'll run poorly for about a month or so, and then give out, and we would be stuck with a replacement. Day number 4. There's still no running water to some areas, still workers on site, and the AC can't keep up with the noonday sun, and it still hits around about 80 degrees by the end of the day. The AC runs continuously. We're packing up all the stuff we moved and we're moving out. I then noticed that all the fire sprinklers look like they've been moved and the metal protection around the drop tile has fallen to the floor. I also noticed that the sprinklers were no longer protruding from the tiles in places and in others, they're quite a bit lower than they were. Yep, the AC fools stood on the fire sprinklers to fix their lousy ductwork. Now, we are looking for a friendly way out. We contact the landlord and say, you haven't delivered a finished building. We're moving out. The lease is broken. The landlord then has a 36-page lease. The landlord won't let us out of the lease, and we're locked in for five years. This is not starting off well. So we then get in contact with the corporate lawyer and the realtor, and they both agree that we're kind of screwed. We're actually desperate for any way out. I start looking at the fire system, as I used to run all kinds of low-voltage lines, fire, security, etc., And there's no fire panel in our portion of the building. No smoke detectors are hooked up to anything, which are more red flags. One of our employees that was moving the heavy gear says, Oh yeah, I I meant to mention that I never saw any building permits anywhere. Ding, ding, ding. 
They did this build-out, including demolition, running new plumbing and power lines, and destroying the fire system without a city permit. Cue the call to the city inspector's office. Day number five. Now, I wasn't here for this part, but the facilities manager told me this. He said, the city inspector pulled the permits for the building and there weren't any. He finds multiple violations of city code, red-tagged our area, and removed the certificate of occupancy. When I told him to check out the fire system like you said, he just goes, oh no, 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 I have to make a call. He then calls the fire marshal. Day number eight, the fire marshal arrives on scene. They find no active alarm system in our portion of the building, which is another red flag. They then find the sprinkler riser for the entire building in the area and no water pressure. He then condemned the entire building. So basically, they wouldn't let us out of the building because we signed a lease, even though they never delivered a building in any semblance of working order. I called the building inspector, got them smoked, who then called the fire marshal, who then condemned the entire building. They are still trying to fight us over it, but we're pushing them for not only refunding our deposit and the rent, which they've already done, but for the time spent moving the gear in and out and all the wiring. Now, our lawyer says that they don't have a leg to stand on, and he's happy for them to pay his fees as well. Okay, my friends, first off, that sounded like a horrendous five days of being inside a building with no AC. You guys know how I love reading stories about shady landlords getting their just desserts. Now guys, having the building condemned isn't enough. The landlord deserves to have all of his properties taken away. Doing this without a permit and not being up to fire code is literally putting people in danger. Like, if he does this to commercial buildings, who knows what this guy does to people who rent his houses, condos, apartments, or whatever. So I have a really bad leg. I've had 13 surgeries. It's a long story. And I just started at a new school. So after the first three weeks, I had to go in for another procedure on my leg. Not that big a deal to me. I've been here before. Upon my return, I had documentation of my restrictions, as well as special amenities that were required. So the big three were that I needed extra time to get from class to class. I also must have someone escort me, and I needed unrestricted access to the elevator. Now, all of these got me recurring problems, such as constant harassment by teachers and security about my being in the halls during class time, and why was my cousin out too? These first two were annoying, but easy enough to deal with. Now, the real issue was the elevator. I was told multiple times that for security issues, I could not have a personal key, due to it sharing the same functionality with the interior door keys. I would have never had any issues with this, as I was told there would always be someone on the same floor as my classes to open the elevator for me. This, of course, was untrue about 75% of the time. The lack of elevator access meant that I was always stuck in the halls when other students were going class to class. I was constantly late due to having to wait for someone to come by and open the door for the elevator. This also meant that I would sometimes be stuck waiting through the entire lunch period and due to my absences could not afford to simply go to lunch after the fact. After about three weeks of this, I was tired of not getting to eat lunch during lunch. So I did one of the stupidest things I could have attempted and tried to use the stairs. Now, for context, I was not on crutches. I was on a full-blown walker. About halfway down, I fell hard. One of my friends found me, got someone to help pick me up, and carried me to the office. When getting to the office, they managed to get me to calm down enough to give them my mom's phone number. Now, my mom is quite hot-tempered, but can keep a level head normally. When she heard that I fell, she was there in record time. When she got there, she immediately asked what happened. I told her that I was sick and tired of missing lunch from waiting for someone to open the elevator, so I tried to use the stairs. And that was a big mistake, as that set off a SAR bomb-sized explosive. 
She immediately turns around and demanded for the principal and the VP to get their asses in here ASAP. As soon as the principal and the vice principal walked in, she started berating them in a fashion not suitable for most adults to hear, let alone kids. And when the VP made an offhand remark about my condition, she physically went after the VP and was swarmed by local sheriffs that provided security for the school. We were escorted out, and after looking at the file and realizing my cousin and I had the same addresses, they figured out that I didn't actually live there. Now, my grandmother's address was listed for me, as she looked after me after I left school up until around 8pm. She was also raising my cousin after an issue between her and my aunt. They used this as grounds to expel me, as I was out of the school district, and then told her, I can be some other school's problem now. I was then enrolled at the school near my house, and had to have yet another surgery to repair the damage that was done as the result of my fall, and redo the work of the previous procedure. I had gotten multiple statements from teachers, as well as my doctors, and my parents were moving forward with a lawsuit naming the VP, principal, and the county school board. We were contacted by a lawyer who had won multiple cases against our school board, some of which went to the state supreme court, and he told us he would take our case pro bono. He was getting tired of going against the board and thought a case like this would be what it took to try and fix their crap. So fast forward 9 months, I was walking out of the court with a settlement to cover all my procedures, as well as a written confirmation that the school would be going through a complete administrative overhaul, and that the principal and vice principal would be let go, and have their administrative credentials revoked in our state. My friends, and that brings us to another end of our slash pro revenge. Guys, I hope you got your revenge fix for the day. And thank you so, so much for coming to hang out with me and listening to the stories. If you enjoyed the stories today, do hit that like button. And if you missed yesterday's episode, a Karen harvests all of Opie's fruit trees in her orchard. So, so entitled. Check it out if you haven't, and I'll see you guys in the next one. I love you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.